Now we can understand why Moshe Rabbeinu, after he agreed to have Reuven and God ent- uh, take the land on the East Bank, now all of a sudden comes Menashe. Moshe throws in half of the tribe of Menashe. Why is that? Now, according to what we're saying, it's beautiful. Menashe, we know, is the descendant of Yosef. And Menashe, who was the eldest of son of Yosef, and what was Yosef's great specialty? Yosef's great specialty was the Midah of Yesod, Tzadik Yesod Olam. The idea of Tzadik Yesod Olam is to bond heaven and earth together. As the Apostle says, Everything in the heavens and the earth. The whole point of the, the conquest of Eretz Yisrael is to bond heaven and earth. And what greater way to bond heaven and earth that would to be to have half a tribe in the land of the seven nations and half a tribe in the other land of the three nations. And just of Yosef was the one who could bond heaven and earth, bond between the five days of the Chol, the week, and the Shabbos. He has that quality of keeping that all together. So therefore, you have one half tribe on one side, one half tribe on the other side, and that will keep everything smoothly running together in a perfect tikkun. So therefore, this Parsha is really telling us so much about all the mistakes that were made before. Bedafka, in this area where the mistakes were made, the correction is being made and everything looks perfect. And let's add another little hint to all this. A Mishnah in Yodayim. The Mishnah Yodayim says, as you know, there's all kinds of mitzvahs of Shemitah and everything. What about the lands of Ammon and Moab? What is the law regarding the lands of Ammon and Moab? They're not in, so to speak, the holy land west of the Jordan. And what's the law regarding Shviz, Shemitah? And Rabbi Tarvin decreed that they should be separate and so that you can give tithes of the poor so that the poor people from Eretz Yisrael could derive support from them. In a halachic way, the simple meaning is Jews who lived in Eretz, Ammon, and Moab that were conquered beforehand and they were given uh, a certain Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. But in the second temple, where a lot of the Kedusha was lost. And therefore, although you still keep Shemitah, but you don't have to keep Shemitah on the East Bank. And therefore, they still made rules that you could now, because during a Shemitah year, people don't have any crops. So what happens to Meiser Rishon, Meiser Oni, etc., etc.? So in order to give Parnassah to the poor people of Eretz Yisrael who don't have anything to eat in the Shemitah year, they'd go there and be able to get all the gifts for the poor. That's the simple shot. But on a deeper level, as we understand, the Gemara and Kazuva says, one is only poor in regard to knowledge. The greatest poverty is knowledge. So on a deeper level, we're talking about the land of Moab, Amun Moab on the East Bank, that we're saying that they were, what are they regarding Shvi'is? And what is that? that the Aniyam are able to take part of that. So on a deeper level, Aniyeh Yisrael really means those who are Anani in Das, and they're lacking Chachma Bina and Das in the spirituality. And therefore, the Jews during Shvis, meaning 
Shvi's the seven sphero, that they're having seven spheros. But what do they do with the higher three spheros to be able to manage their lower seven spheros properly? So now we've got the other lands on the east bank that have integrated the idea of Chochma, Bina, and Das. And therefore it means that the poor people in Israel, spiritually poor, can rely on them through past the seventh um, sphera to incorporate the other three. Especially since B'nai God and Reuven already knew they ate only man, so they were very particular in terms of their spirituality. So this becomes a tremendous tikkun that's happening. Things look amazing. And now, let me just quote for you. Now we can understand why we have put the laws of the Pura Aduma here where they don't belong. And let's just read to you a little bit from what the Lubavitch Rebbe says in the Sefer Torres Menachem. I'm giving you the English translation. And he says, the portion of the red heifer was related after the construction of the sanctuary when the Jews were on a high spiritual level, having atoned for the sin of the golden calf, as Rashi mentions. So let's think about this. It was on the first day of Nisan in 2449, the Mishkan was up, the, the, the Paraduma was up, and all that had to happen, Korban Pesach on the 14th of Nisan, Pesach Sheni, the, 20, the 14th of Eor, and then they leave on the 20th of Eor. They travel three days. Had they not complained, had they not done anything else, there would have been no sin of the golden calf. And from that point on, the Jews could have just gone right into Eretz Yisrael. In, in other words, at the point where Paraduma was given 38 years earlier, the Jews were ready ready to go, perfectly ready. Ay, 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 then the Jews mess up. And concluding with the sin of the spies, they mess the whole project up. So now, it takes 38 years, a new generation comes. And what the Torah is now telling us, now with the new generation, we're going to put Paraduma right here now. Why? We could have put Paraduma earlier. But then that, remember, Paraduma represents purity. Remember, Paraduma, it's a chok. It's a mitzvah we don't understand. That takes a lot of spiritual strength to buy into the mitzvah of Paraduma. And although there was the Paraduma given 38 years earlier, but the message probably didn't sink in as well. So it's not the time to really bring it up because a lot of the message was not learnt. But now 38 years later, now it's time to bring home the message. Put it into the Torah. Because now we have a perfected people. And they're able to live the life of the Pura Aduma, which reflects holiness and perfection. And that meant we're ready to make it happen. And now we put Pura Aduma here. And now what happens is Miriam dies Aaron dies, Moshe's not going, and that's all part of the process. Part of the process of getting us to go to Eretz Yisrael. And then you see the tikkunim that are made with the spies, who now spy correctly, with Reuven and God, who make a proper request, and now we see that the complete tikkun has happened. So Parshas Chukas 
really has a lot of beautiful things to tell us. Let's continue with the Taurus Menachem. It was not until the end of the 40-year period after the conquest and settlement of the land of Sichon, which atoned for the sins of the spies, that the Jews were able to reach a similar spiritual rank. That's the first interpretation. And now a second point, an added dimension, is the word chukas. Chukas comes from the word chok, which can also mean from chakak, which means to engrave. Just like the, the Aseris and Debras were engraved into the stone. What's the difference between writing on something and engraving on something? Writing on something, it could be separate. You could scratch off what you write. When something's engraved, it's inseparable. And therefore, what the Torah is also saying is after 40 years in the desert, the Jews learned the lesson and became totally engraved with the aspect of Torah, totally engraved with Eretz Yisrael, and they were now inseparable from Eretz Yisrael. And that was so important. Why? Because let's add, and that's what the Rashi meant when now they were shlamim, they were wholesome. And therefore, it means that we're wholesome with what? With all of Eretz Yisrael, even the ten uh, nations, and even the other three. And now we come back to the covenant between the parts. What was so special about the covenant between the parts? It's very unusual. They took a bunch of animals, cut them in half put one half on one side, one half on another, and everybody walks through the middle. And Rashi said, that's the idea of cutting a covenant. What does it mean you're cutting a covenant, putting one side on the other? The point is, they're both going inside of, theoretically, one body. In other words, if we could theoretically walk in between a whole animal, be inside a whole animal, but it's a physical impossibility. So what do we do to shark losses? We split the animal in half, and now we walk in between the half as if we're together inside the animal. We're trying to show a covenant means we're inseparable. We're totally stuck with each other. And therefore, at the covenant between the parts, Hashem is saying one number of things. Number one, me and you, Avram, you're going to walk in between. We are inseparable. I'm always for you. You're always for me. And also, Eretz Yisrael is going to be the place that makes us so inseparable. And that's the chok. That is indeed over there. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense now where this Parsha is Paul Parsha's Chukas. It's Chukas on multi-levels. First of all, it's telling us that now we're back to the square one where we were, and now we're ready to pick up where the pieces left off. And that's the main message of Chukas. We're ready to move on. Oh, there's some things, and there are some things that are meant to happen for all this Tikkun to happen. For reasons beyond the scope of today's discussion, for it to happen, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam cannot be the leaders in Eretz Yisrael. There has to be a new leadership, and their deaths, although to be mourned, but it's part of the process of a new generation coming in. And therefore, this is the, the, the reason why the Paraduma is here. It's telling us that we're ready to go to Eretz Yisrael, which really is telling us that no matter how terrible the Jews were and how many mistakes they made, they could come to the point of tikkun to correct all mistakes. Just like the paraduma, we say, let the paraduma come and clean up the mess of the cheta ego. So to each and every one of us in our lives, we have our own personal cheta ego. We have our own golden calves in which we fail. And we may take many, many years to struggle. 
But there is a point in time where we can make the tikkun by being in the same place and time and to correct that. And yet there's one more thing that we need to discuss. Because at the end of the day, when we're going to come to Parshas Batos and Masay, we're going to see Chazal are very critical of Ruvain and God. And they said a hasty inheritance will hastily be destroyed. And at the end, they were the first ones to leave. And at the end of the day, a lot of things didn't turn out so well with all that spiritual um, energy they had. They were so good in the desert, but things didn't turn out so good at the end. So how do we understand that? And the answer is, is we come back to the Chok. As much as we tried to do tshuva, and as much as we really wanted to make the tikkun, but the problem is one simple problem. What should have happened instead of first conquering the three tribes and living there on the other side of the Jordan and then take the seven, which seemed logical because by order of the spheros, it should be the top three and then the seven. But Hashem never instructed it. And therefore what Hashem really wanted was also a chok. What's the chok? First go and take the seven. Take the seven and work with the lower spheros before you work on the higher spheros, which would seem to be nonsensical. Let's make sure we finish off Chachma, Bin, and Das and then move on to the lower seven. So let's have the, the Ruven, God, and half of Menashe first conquer and develop and start the good spiritual energy. That makes sense, and that made sense to Moshe too. And the truth is, we did make tremendous tikkunim. Let's not minimize the tikkunim that were going on over here. And that allowed us to go to Eretz Yisrael. But ultimately, Hashem said, you know what? As much as you think it makes sense, I first want you to go into Eretz Yisrael. Don't even think about the other side of Chutz Laretz. Now, what would have happened? What probably would have happened is after they all conquered the seven nations... Then Hashem, so to speak, through Yeshua, would, so to speak, say to Reuven, would you like to do us a favor? Would you like to take the land on the East Bank? For some reason, Hashem wanted things to go in the inverse order. And so Hashem has caused that to happen now. Because really, there are still only seven shepherds. Seven shepherds to teach us the seven lower midos. We have not yet perfected the Chachm bin and Das the way we really want to. Why? It's not the time. Part of Chach and Das, which is all related to the Kesser, is to want the will of Hashem. The highest level of Chach Das, after all is said and done, you understand everything, he's got to say, you know what, if Hashem doesn't want it, I shouldn't want it. Although we thought Hashem's desire is we should make a tikkun and go after the other three areas first, but Hashem never commanded it, even though there was a breeze by the Basarim and everything. But Hashem sent the original spies to Moshe conquer the seven lands. That's all. The fact that you now have conquered the three nations on the other side, which you think would be a simon from Shemayim that we should go and inhabit it right now, but Hashem never commanded it. And now we can see the Hashem judging everyone by the, by the strictest, by the thinnest line to realize, although all your thoughts were good, but you got to remember, at the end of the day, there is the greatest chachma, the greatest chok, is do the way Hashem says, even though it doesn't make any sense. 
Tum doesn't make any sense. And therefore the people that are causing the purity become tame. And this, it made so much sense, but you know it made too much sense. <laughs> and too much sense sometimes doesn't work either. So although there was a tikkun, and we deserve to go into Eretz Yisrael, and Moshe's concerns were allayed, so to speak, but Chazal understood that even in the most minute way of not adhering 100% to the chok, ultimately we would fail. And that would be the continuation of Jewish history. But you shouldn't lose hope because the fact of the matter is, and we'll see what needs to be more discussed, is, you know, Chukas and Balak go together. At the end of next week's Parsha, the Jews sin in the worst way. The worst way with the Midianite women, the Moabite women, that's something that needs further discussion. So the question is, if they already made a complete tikkun, how could they fail in such a way? I guess that's part of the game. When you've made the first initial mistake of wanting to deal with people on the East Bank, as much as you think you could handle that situation, I guess they couldn't. Because this was a sin on the East Bank. And why did that sin happen? Why were they able to fall prey? Because they thought now our vote is to handle the East Bank. And the truth is, even though you think it's Chachma Bin and Das, maybe you're not ready for it yet. Maybe you first have to work on simple faith of Chesed through Malchus. And when you really work on Chesed through Malchus, without all the Chachma that you think, maybe they'll give you the strength to re-energize the Chachma Bin and Das. So therefore, it, see, see how complicated life is. We could really want to do all Hashem. We could think we're making a tikkun and we're doing so many things and it really looks good and Hashem is agreeable to a certain extent. Yes, you've made a tikkun and you're ready to come back to where the paraduma is and you've really fixed everything up. But that was a chukas. But then you're leaving yourself a little bit vulnerable. That vulnerability of still feeling, yes, we're going to conquer. That could be very well what misled the people to figure, oh, we're going to conquer the East uh, Bank. So we're going to take the countries of Midian and Moab. We're going to now bury into them and this and that. And it was way too fast, way too quick. They weren't ready for it. And the real greatest chok is that even though my chokhmah bin and das are not 100%, I don't understand everything, but I still know what the Ratzon Hashem is. And me to have the seven lower spheres of, of chesed, gvura, tiferes, without so much understanding, but just following what the will of Hashem is, sometimes is the most important thing. It's a difficult challenge, but we're up to this. And therefore, seeing the ups and downs, and that's part of our lives. As we're getting strong in one area, we fail in the other area. This is really bringing us up, coming into the three weeks very soon. To realize these are the challenges that we have. We could mean so well, and yet there's this hulk. The bottom line always is you're never really going to understand everything. And sometimes the best way to do that is by working in the seven lower spheros without totally understanding everything on the three higher spheros, but having trust in your leaders, having trust in Hashem, that you'll succeed in this way. Hashem, help us to... Uh, to continue to follow all the chukim, to bring us back to this world of para aduma complete, and then we'll be able to finally conquer the rest of Eretz Yisrael. Bimheir of Yameinu, Amen.